Welcome back listeners, Morse code here. So today I'm back in the vents, except this time I slicked myself up in baby oil beforehand so we will avoid repeating the last incident. So basically the reason I'm in here again is because Josh is building a new wing in the bunker. It's pretty cool, very modern, clean lines. It has an aquarium full of sharks, which is radical. The black-tipped reef sharks. Did you know they sleep in little snuggle piles? How cute is that? I always thought that Josh just passed under me. Oh, and I think he's on with a guest. Jeremy Slate, Command Your Brand Media. I think I'm just gonna dangle a mic down there and listen in. Here we go, listeners. All right, Jeremy, are you are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here, man. Okay, cool. All right, so we're communicating on a top secret, ultra secure military connection. So I apologize that you know with the retina scan and all that other stuff that it makes you do, uh, but this this project is, as you know, like ultra, ultra, ultra top secret because I can't let this information get out to the masses. Uh, I think there would be chaos in the street uh, if everybody had access to this. Now, I'm going to release it, as you know, uh, sure. but I just want to make sure that we're, we're able to uh, kind of give out the information uh, and, and kind of like meet it out a little bit so that <laughs> so, so we don't have anarchy from, from too many people learning too much powerful information. I know, my friend, uh, you know some really, really good information about uh, growing authority and influence. So thank you so much for your time. By the way, uh, I have to pay like, it's close to $1,000 a minute for this connection, but it's totally worth it. <laughs> is this one of those ones you have to carry around in like a briefcase or something like that so you can make sure like yeah. oh my it. gosh on my end it's it serious it likes looks like it's like something out of the cold war uh military is not known for uh the, the, i guess the quality is there but man this this computer communications device it's basically half of the room sitting as i'm sitting here <laughs> it's, it's it's the old eniac right man yeah, but I mean, honestly, Zoom would be completely inappropriate for conversation like this. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, and I've got, I'm going to be taking a lot of notes here. Uh, mm -hmm. And oh, again, uh, I'm not going to be, you know, hopefully I don't get hacked, anything like that, because uh, I know this would be incredibly powerful. So Jeremy, um, first off, um, just kind of lay some foundation. So you went to school for, uh, you went to Oxford. How'd you get, I mean, you're a smart dude. I, I, I do know that. You studied literature. So what does someone normally with a degree in literature from Oxford do for a living? I have, so this is the crazy one. I have my undergrad degree in uh, Catholic theology and Judaism. I was a double major. Um, wow. Then my, my university sent me to, um, to Oxford to do a whole um, Catholic literature program. Then I came back um, and got my master's in Early Roman Empire propaganda, which is just a fancy way of saying ancient history. Not a, not a very applicable skill. Um, I actually don't know what you do in that other than feel kind of smart and, and use some big words. But, you know, other than that, you're like a college professor or something like that. Like, I, I, yeah. I really don't know what else you do with that, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you teach other people. It's, I, I, it, I think I was talking with someone about, you know, like they got a PhD in public administration or something like that. I'm like, what do you do with that? I teach other people how to get a PhD in public administration. <laughs> That's so funny. maybe it's kind of one of those uh, secular things. It's 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 like a uh, a, a college uh, uh, multi-level marketing thing, <laughs> yeah, and you basically. convince two of your friends, and then they convince two of their friends. 
All right. But so eventually, so uh, getting done with all of your education, uh, did you, did you work in corporate America or did you, did you, were you in a job before you kind of said, you know what, I, I need to kind of get on the entrepreneurial path? So I came out of school in, um, 2000, gosh, now I'm really thinking back, man. Um, 2012 is, is, or 2011 is when I got out of grad school and I had been working the whole time. Like during that time I had been, um, when I wasn't working, I was managing a gym and also painting houses. Um, I was mm-hmm. doing like 17, 18 hour days in the summer, which is pretty crazy. I wasn't sleeping a whole lot. Um, and then when I got out, there was just not really any work in education. Like people were actually losing jobs in education. Yeah. So that was kind of like where I wanted to go. So when I came out, um, I actually ended up working full time painting houses during the day and, and managing and working at a gym at night. And then I was working out about um, anywhere from 11 to 12 o'clock every night, going to bed, getting up at four and doing it again. So it was wow. it, it was quite an interesting, I guess, year right after school. And then after that, I ended up running into um, a family friend that um, was a former principal of a Catholic school here in New Jersey. And he was like, well, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody or whatever, because you don't really need like any certifications to teach in a private school in New Jersey. They just kind of say mm-hmm. good luck. So I ended <laughs> up doing that for a couple of years and I, I burnt out pretty quick, man, because like, I don't want to sound old, but like they didn't have smartphones or anything resembling them when I was in school. So I didn't know how to handle the fact of kids would try and get you angry and take a YouTube video or put you on Snapchat or something like that. And like, that was your day. Like they just pushed you all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this school had no detention, no suspension, no letter, gra- no, no number grades. They'd only had letter grades. Um, so it was a, a pretty weird situation. So that's kind of like what I did, like right out of school for like the first two, three years. Kind of a lean on me situation or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it wasn't even inner city, man. <laughs> it was just privileged <laughs> rich kids. Oh no. So just a bunch of sarcastic, snotty kids. <laughs> yeah. hundred um, percent. So, okay. So then eventually what you get burnt out on that or did you, were you doing something on the side while you were working? Um, so that was, gosh, now I'm really thinking that was 2012, 13. And then, um, around that time, my mom actually ended up having a really, really bad stroke, um, from which Mm. she's still, you know, not in great shape from she, she lost her language skills. Um, she's Mm -hmm. not able to work anymore and she can't really use the right side of her body. Like they've, they've given her Mm. some like braces and stuff like that so she can get around and do some yeah. stuff. Um, so she's highly motivated. She, she does her best. But like it kind of made me um, look at a lot of different things. And I actually ended up doing, um, I was approached about this network marketing opportunity, which is why I ended up seeing it. And I'd like, I don't know, I'm from a small town, man. Like I didn't know what this was. So I saw this presentation. Like I thought I was going to get like an employee yeah. handbook and I was going to like, you know, make all this money. I'm like, gosh, why isn't everybody doing this? So I actually quit my job. Um, and went right into that full time and lost, you know, made a lot of money, lost a whole lot more. Um, and from there actually ended up selling life insurance for a while. Um, did yeah. pretty well with that, but it's a real downer to sit down with people and tell them they're going to die. And, uh, you know, from there I ended up actually working at a friend's marketing company, which is what I did up until mm. I started my own podcast. Yeah. And, and specifically within marketing, what, what area were you in? So when I started, I didn't really know anything about marketing. So yeah. I watched a whole lot of YouTube videos, listened to a ton of podcasts, um, did a whole bunch of stuff. And I actually ended up building websites. I was writing CSS, HTML, like all self-taught and all this stuff and uh, doing email marketing. So I was basically somebody else's firm. They let me run all this stuff. And I was working with some pretty cool clients at the time. And, and so Jeremy, what were the, do you remember the first podcast that you listened to? The, the marketing one specifically? Um. So here's the funny thing. I've listened to podcasts since I was in 
um, like my first year of grad school. Yeah, um, my professor at the time got me listening to this um, podcast that just kind of makes fun of the news called No Agenda. Um, mm-hmm. It was with this guy, um, Adam Curry. Um, that oh, yeah. Curry. And uh, it's, it, they're, I think they're on like their, they're, they're over a thousand episodes now. It's still, still going and I still listen to this, this podcast, but that was literally the first one I listened to. And if I had to look at the first marketing one I listened to, I think it was actually Smart Passive Income. I think that was one of the first yeah. podcasts I got listened yep. to. Yeah, I think, uh, yep, that was up there for me. I listened to uh, Dan Miller, 48, hour, or 48 Days to the Work You Love. I listened to Michael Hyatt um, and Pat. Yeah, it was, uh, and uh, I think maybe a little bit Entrepreneur on Fire, um, you know, but yeah, yeah, all those ones that kind of jumped in pretty early into it. Uh, so when did you never, start I was never that really into Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, I did, I loved Ryan Moran a lot though. I listened to his, his Freedom Fastlane podcast when it first started too. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, any podcasts that were not marketing? Any, uh, so yeah, you already mentioned like No Agenda and any other like really early podcasts that you recall? Um, that were not marketing related. So there were actually podcasts. I think it was called LibriVox, and these were actually like audio books that were now in the public domain, so they didn't have to charge for them. And they made them into podcasts, and I sat and like listened to these things for hours. <laughs> wow. I remember. I think I listened to. Uh, uh, we were. I think one of the first podcasts I really got hooked on was uh, Diz Unplugged, which is still uh, podcasting. It's a Disney Disney World podcast. And, oh, wow. uh, and I started listening to that when we made the decision, we're going to Disney world. And, <laughs> you know, just like, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, so we came down here for spring break and then eventually we decided to live here. Uh, <laughs> cause we just, we love the area and, uh, you know, savings angel, which I had launched started really taking off. This was back in, uh, 2008, uh, at, at the time savings angel had been, um, active for about a year. Okay. So, um, your first podcast, what was the name of your first podcast or is it, is it the podcast that you're podcasting with right now? It was called Rock Your Life um, and it was the worst thing a human being ever created um, and I <laughs> created it. it. It was bad, man. Like um, I, there was no miking. It was me talking into my MacBook. So like you can imagine how bad the sound was. And I was like a little bit life coachy because I had just gotten off of being a, um, you know, like a MLM addict, you know, so I was kind of like recovering from that. So it was yeah. very like life coachy and um, it just, it wasn't good, man. And the, the design I actually made in Microsoft Paint at the time, the, the cover art, it was just, it was bad. It was all really bad. And um, I did like one or two interviews on that podcast that were actually decent. And they, I used them as the first two episodes when I launched my current one. Um, so my first couple episodes were actually from the original, like really bad, super bad podcast that if you really look hard, um, you can find the cover art out there for but I made the ultimate yeah. mistake too. I didn't actually, I didn't also like research and see what was out there. So I found out somebody else had the same name. So I f- had to edit the name. So I made it improper English and it just didn't, it was bad. Just a lot of bad. Uh, so it, it eventually, but, but it got, it got better though. And so, and I think oh, that's the thing that, um, that, that, you know, you hear this refrain a lot from people I think that, that teach podcasting is that, look, you know, there's, there's learned knowledge. You want to learn best practices, you know, get some decent equipment. I mean, I think, you know, get up to a, an acceptable level. And, and honestly, I don't think that that bar is very hard or high. I don't think it's very difficult to podcast. I mean, as long as you have some basics, but the thing that you don't come into this starting 
is that you are probably not going to be a great podcaster out of the gate. Like it's, it's the only way to become, in my opinion, a good, even a good podcaster is you probably just need to get 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 200, 500 podcasts yeah. under well, your belt and they're like, how do I get comfortable to be a- with the platform? Right. People always ask me like, how do I get to be a, be a better interviewer? I'm like, do a lot of interviews. You, it's yeah. the only way you're going to get better at it because you feel like an interrogator at first because you're like, okay, great. Next question. Cool. Okay, great. Next question. It's just, it's, it's something you get better at by doing, man, because you develop like this almost sixth sense for, for when to interject or when to lead somebody back around or like what that looks like rather than feeling like, you know, you should be reading them their Miranda rights at the beginning of the interview. So, when you work with business owners, or I think when you advocate for the podcasting platform, Jeremy, kind of how do you explain, like, if you were to take the stage and say, all right, for the next several minutes, I am going to convince you why you should consider starting, not maybe not everybody, but, uh, you know, if you are doing this in business, here are all the reasons why you should start a podcast. What would that presentation sound like? I usually start with first why they shouldn't, because I think that a lot of people, they, they go out there and they're like, okay, I'm going to be Grant Cardone, or I'm going to be Gary Vee, or I'm going to be John Lee Dumas, and they're not themselves. So if you don't have a mm. unique message that really separates you from people out there, I would say first and foremost, just don't do it. But the, the things I would say then, you know, once you, once you realize you have a unique message, you have easier access to people than you've ever had before, because they're actually listening to their earbuds all the time. People are actually sitting in um, the, the stats from, from Apple's beta stats. It was about, I think, 80% of people are people listen to about 80% of an episode. So, like, think about that amount of time. If you have a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour episode that people are spending with you. So, the relationship building is incredible, but also, like, the people you meet. You and I were talking about some of the people that I've had on my podcast um, before we, um, you know, kind of got into what we're talking about now. And none of those people ever would have like hung out with me or talked to me if I didn't have a platform. So it really gives you the ability to, to network, but also at the same time, the, the bigger thing is the branding aspects, like the positioning mm-hmm. of positioning is so valuable, right? Like who you're seen with, who you're seen talking to or talking about. That's so valuable because those are brand building aspects and you really can't put a, put a price tag on that because the right brand building aspects are what separates you from everybody else in your space. So to have the podcast be that tool is just so incredible. There's nothing out there like that. Yeah. Do you use, uh, Jeremy, do you use your podcast as a sales tool? I didn't initially because I, I, I don't know. I had this weird thing about it. I'm like, I'm an artist and I can't touch my art and blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, <laughs> okay, it's, it's great being broke. Right? So I figured out how to take my podcast and align it more with what I was doing. Meaning, you know, uh, we, we run an agency called Command Your Brand Media where we help people get um, booked on the right podcast as guests. So I was mm-hmm. thinking to myself, like, well, I'm interviewing amazing people that I love to work with. I should be having this conversation with them. So I, I've made it very gently that it's just part of my email sequence after somebody's on an interview because I don't want to sit there and pitch them. That's not the purpose of what I'm doing. Right. But I have ended up working with some great people that I've had on my show because of that, or they, they get done with the interview and you're like, wow, that was such a great interview. How can we work together? And previously I would have been like, well, what can I do for you? And, and now yeah. it's like, okay, well, yeah, I want, if you have a message, you want to get out there, I want to help you do it. So I think part of it, honestly, is just for some people. And I know I was one of those people it's getting over this idea of it's not good to make money, which it's weird. Like if you have a good purpose, if you have a way you want to help people, you should be making money. So once I kind of got over that, I figured out how to kind of align that a lot better. 
Uh, you know, one thing, you know, so, so speaking as a podcaster myself and, and you know, one conversion that, that, that we had uh, is that, you know, we recognize like for us, you know, we've got a couple of different podcasts. So, uh, well, one that these hackers put out called Authority Confidential, which I, listen, I have nothing to do with those sons of guns. They enter, they take my audio and they ripped it and they turned it into a podcast. So I have nothing to do with that one, but the thoughtful entrepreneur, uh, and, and of course, Savings Angel. So the thoughtful entrepreneur, that one, um, you know, initially we were getting pitched by uh, podcast uh, guest uh, uh, agencies. And initially we were thinking, well, I don't know if I want to be sold to, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to be sold to that, that I need to book their guests and that sort of thing. And I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, wait a minute. There's nothing inherently wrong with the guest. Yes, the guest pitching agency is kind of helping that guest. But honestly, I, you know, in my opinion, for the purpose of that show, uh, you know, the more people, more conversations I can have, the more people I can network with, the more people I can support, promote, do good in the world for. Uh, you know, we recently just kind of had an internal discussion like, why are we being apprehensive here? Like we, the, the guest booking agencies should honestly be our best friend because they're bringing super high quality people that we may potentially work with in some way. We might need their services or, you know, they might, uh, we might be able to introduce one another to, to, to somebody. And I think what's great about podcasting, Jeremy, is it is such a brilliant first conversation if you have a go-giver, uh, Bob Berg, I'm sure you know, uh, a go-giver oh, philosophy. So if we can lead in the relationship by saying, you know what, we're going to promote you to our 120,000 fans. Uh, we're going to do this for you. Uh, and you know what, it, it, it's, I, I, I just think it's a great way of doing business today. And I think moving forward, I, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Again, not every podcast is going to fit that form. In fact, vast majority won't. Uh, but in our case, you know, we've got multiple podcasts and, you know, that one thoughtful entrepreneur is very specifically designed to just get us serving more people. Well, and honestly, that's like, like with our business, you know, being a podcaster myself, I focus so much on like, it has to be the right podcast and it has to be the right person. Cause I feel like there's so many people out there, you know, whether it's a PR firm or whatever that are just trying to push people on, Oh, this is a big show. I need to get you on it. And it's just, it's not mm. fair to everybody because if the stories don't fit and they don't match and the vibes don't match, then like, sure. It shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be something that happens. So I think sometimes there are people that can get too pushy in that way as well. Yeah, yeah. Have you considered having a second podcast that's just nothing but, uh, you know, kind of the Command Your Brand podcast where you interview everybody uh, just so you can kind of initiate more conversations with people? You know, you know that, it, that may be a good idea, but at the same time, I just don't know if it would be interesting to me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot of work. Uh, How much work is it to, uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Jeremy. What was that? No, I was just going to say, even on my own show, I've dropped down to one interview a week and then one solo episode a week, just because I need to keep it interesting and high quality for myself too. So it's like at the same time, I need to make sure I'm putting my attention out in the right ways, you know? Hmm. Do you think that most guests, you and I talked about this before we uh, hopped on the secure line here, uh, but, uh, and, and, and I had this, uh, I mean, I, I see this and, and I think you do too. Most 
uh, entrepreneurs, business brand, you know, people who want to get their name out there. Um, they want to get buzz. Podcasting is amazing. However, I see this pretty consistently that most people way, way, way overvalue the visibility and they way, way, way undervalue the authority. Is that your observation as well? I'm 100% in agreement with you there because I think people look at podcasting because I'll say first and foremost, I feel like it's not just a podcasting problem. I feel like people don't quite understand the differentiation between public relations and publicity and marketing, right? Like, yeah. like they, they have this really big confusion and there's a lot of people think everything is marketing, which is, it isn't the case, right? Like, like PR is getting yourself out to the right people and getting known. That doesn't always mean it's going to turn into sales right away, but that positioning is so valuable. So I think people think, all right, um, I'm going to get on this number of podcasts. There's X number of listeners. I'm going to get this many leads. It's going to make this many dollars for me. And Sure, you can look at it that way, but I think it's actually short-sighted, man, because the positioning by being in the right podcast or being in the right publication or whatever, those are things that actually take your brand to the next level and you're actually building brand equity, like value in who your brand is and who you are rather than just looking at, okay, I need another lead, I need another dollar, I need another whatever. Like sure, as a business owner, you have to think of those things, but if you want to go big, you have to be known in the right way, seen in the right way, and positioned in the right way, and then also know what to do with those things. There's so much value in either press or PR. And I like to say there's two parts to it. There's when you get the feature and you get out to this new audience, but then there's also mm -hmm. what you do with it with the audience that already knows you. Because if they see, hey, I was an entrepreneur on fire or I was in Forbes or I was in Inc. Um, or they you know, see like what you have, that you were in 2000 different media um, outlets. That's a big deal. And that positioning shows like, hey, I'm somebody of authority and I'm somebody that's important in my space. And that third-party um, credibility is so important because yeah. when you say it about yourself, it just sounds like you're kind of being a jerk. But when somebody else says it about you, it does show that credibility and that authority. And I think sometimes people need to realize it's so important to build your authority and actually you're going to see your advertising convert better. You're going to see more opportunities come in. You're going to see a lot of these other things happen because you spent the time and money on getting the right features to build your authority. And what are some best practices, Jeremy, for that, that you advise? Okay, you, let's say you, you're working with a client and you said, okay, well, you know, we got you on such and such a podcast uh, and, and, you know, your, your guest or your client, like in their mind, they might be thinking, okay, job's done. <laughs> you know, I got my visibility. Uh, what do you recommend they do when that podcast episode goes live? So there's a, there's a few different things because one of, one of the things that we focused on is making sure you're email marketing to your own list in the right way because I think too many times people send out an email, I was on the podcast, end of email. And they're like, cool, nobody's going to listen to that podcast. You need to tell, and it's, it's even the way that social media content is, is going. If you take a look at a, a lot of what I put out, even on, with the posts I put on social media, I'm telling stories with everything I write. So you need yeah. to be a really good storyteller and you also need to learn the, the rules of the platforms. So we actually have a course we give all of our clients as well as we do uh, webinars for our clients teaching a lot of this stuff. Like if, for example, if you're going to put a link on Facebook, Facebook's going to automatically crush that link because they want people to stay on the platform. Just like if you put a YouTube right. video on Facebook, Facebook's going to crush it because they want people to stay on the platform. So you need to get creative with how you storytell, how you talk about it and how you send people to it. It may be hiding the link preview. It may be putting the link in the first comment with a good story. It, it, you need, so you need to figure out how these different platforms work. 
And then even on LinkedIn, like right now, I feel like LinkedIn is the biggest opportunity out there to get attention. Agreed. And if you're not doing it, if you're not doing it and not even doing it in the right way, then you're missing out big time. LinkedIn is so video driven. It's so long form content driven. Um, and you have to remember to write this stuff so it's mobile friendly. If you check out a lot of the way I write posts, I actually skip lines in between posts because you're making it so mm-hmm. you easier on their phone. So you mm. need to figure out how you can use this stuff in a way rather than just saying, I was on a podcast, here's the link. Because nobody's going to see it because the platform doesn't want people to see it. And mm-hmm. also, even if they do, it's just not that interesting. So you yeah. need to take a look at how you can tell stories around it. And it's going to lead to people listening to that interview, but also it's going to lead to you building your authority because you're going to see your audience grow because people love that story. I get it. So, uh, and, and talk about um, your perspective in uh, how someone can very specifically then use that activity. So the podcast appearance, the social media, ultimately, you know, what does a business owner, I mean, ultimately a business owner wants to make more money. They want to grow their business. They want to grow their impact and influence and that sort of thing. Um, what, what, is there anything else in terms of like connecting the dots in order to get that done? Um, other than just kind of share, I mean, they they want people to consume the content, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's kind of the, that's, that's where it really happens. And I'll share a perspective, um, Jeremy, that, um, so in college, I studied family, I, you know, you studied literature, I studied family science, you know, <laughs> neither of us are using any, you know, any of that stuff uh, hey, professionally. Uh, it, right? Again, you know, family science, again, is kind of one of those bachelors. It's just, it's, it's a precursor to uh, postgraduate work and you pretty much can't eat, you know, you could work at a restaurant <laughs> if you get out at the bachelor's level, which I did, but I got distracted with the whole internet thing. Um, but one thing I did learn, I, I actually did a lot of research and uh, did um, uh, a presentation on this uh, on quality versus quantity time. And uh, a lot of people will use that in parenting and they say, well, I don't spend a lot of time with my kids, but when I do, it's high quality. And the literature actually shows that, you know, time together is really important. I don't want to guilt anybody, but um, it's really important to just spend time together, even if it's just like running to the hardware store together. You know, believe it or not, Jeremy, you probably have similar experiences. Like it's some of that mundane stuff. I actually have some of the best memories of being with my dad, you know, going to the hardware store together. You know, we're not... you know, I don't know if he would have considered that quality time, but I sure did as a kid. Right, right. So it, I, I agree with you. And it's, it's because you need to learn how to tell stories that people can connect with. And people actually connect with some of the most basic things, man. Like they, it, it, and it's kind of funny. It's, it's people learn how to connect with the most basic things. So it's learning how to tell a story because I feel like too many times, especially in this influencer space, um, I was just talking with a, a gentleman not too long ago named Robert Sislow about this, that they, they, especially in the influencer space, they do things that just aren't real to people. Like they tell mm-hmm. stories about their jet and their, their mm-hmm. Bugatti and they have pictures of all this different stuff. And it's like, that doesn't communicate, right? Like people yeah. don't understand that. Like telling stories like what you're talking about and positioning in them in such a way to bring people back to this media you're sharing is something that's actually going to communicate. And I feel like that's step one that a lot of people are missing is they're putting out content that's not communicating so even if they were interested in seeing this podcast interview or this media piece or whatever, they're never going to get to it. So you have to figure out how to make that human connection first. Yeah. 
You know, one thing I learned uh, most recently, so I've, I've spoken at Social Media Marketing World, and uh, which I love that conference. Uh, and there was one presentation that, that really struck me this year. And that is, you know, it's like you've got the, um, you know, the attractive personality, the attractive character, and that can attract people to you. You know, people are like, hey, you know, Jeremy's created some success. Jeremy's got this. Jeremy does it. He has success. So, I want to check them out. But if you don't share your imperfections and your vulnerabilities on a regular basis, I think people kind of tune out. Uh, at least that was a, it was kind of a challenge for me because I felt like, well, if I share my imperfections, my vulnerabilities, then people aren't going to trust me as much. Um, so, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a real challenge for me to share my imperfections on a regular basis. But, you know, um, I, I can totally, totally, see a difference in my social media engagement when I've made a very conscious effort uh, to let people know, listen, I'm an insecure dude. You know, I've got, you know, right. I, I, get, I get sad, I get anxiety, I, I fail, and here's my latest failure, uh, but I learned from this stuff. Uh, and and what, what are your observations? What, do you, what are your feelings on that? It's, it's interesting because I feel like those are, the, those are the stories that when I tell them, I get the most interest in because people realize oh, you know, he's not perfect or it's yeah. not always perfect. It's not always sunshine and rainbows because like I said, that doesn't communicate to people. They need yeah. to have reality on what you're talking about. And if they don't, it's right over their heads. And why, why does it matter other than, than you tell, trying to tell people how cool you are? Like you have to, to really be willing to be open, but it's also a balance too, because I see people that are out there that are like, I'm so open and they're giving out more information than like is actually comfortable for me to read. So you have to kind of know that balance on what's open enough to show somebody the reality of, of where you currently are or what you're currently doing in your business or how things always go versus telling way too much versus, Hey, check this out. I rented an airplane for this photo and we are actually out on the runway and I didn't tell you it's rented, but I'm not going to tell you in my copy, but check out my cool airplane that I don't own. You know <laughs> There's, there's actually a service, believe it or not, that there these private jets that are out there and not in use. You can actually rent them by the hour to get your photo taken by them. Uh, like, uh, you know how, you know what would be so great though, is if, if someone actually did the post and said, I rented this airport, or this airplane. I don't own it. I, I'm, I'm trying to impress you right now. <laughs> like if they were like that honest and authentic, I'd be like, you know what? actually really cool. I like you for even though you spent the money on this thing. I love that you're being so damn honest with me. That's so cool. I feel like JP Sears would do that. I'm just waiting for that one now. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. Uh, Jeremy, another thing that, uh, that, that I wanted to bring up is in, in just in terms of the power of podcasting, and this gets to my earlier point of time together and how valuable that is. Video, it's, it's really challenging to hold someone's attention for, say, you know, maybe more than like eight, 10 minutes, right? It's really challenging. Uh, it has to be really, really good stuff. Why? Because it's so demanding of, of, of the viewer's senses. It requires everything, all of their attention. And so, as a result, uh, you don't get to spend as much time together, although you know, when you, you know, that, that five to eight minutes, whatever it is, I mean, it is really impactful. But podcasting, you know, getting to my earlier point of quantity time uh, versus quality time is that is, through a podcast, it's nothing to 
have someone's uh, attention even while they're driving, you know, they're listening in for 30 minutes. It, it's, that's pretty much the norm for podcasting. And right. so when you are offering this to your potential clients or your clients, you're like, look, you know, if, if you can spend 30 minutes with someone that's in your sales pipeline and they can see you respected and put in the interview chair as a, as a subject and treated like a subject matter expert, do you think that that's a valuable impression? And that is a, that is just an unequivocal, yes. I don't know if that's a word, by the way. <laughs> I think it's unequivocal, unequivocal. That's a word. You're, you've got the masters maybe, in, and you're a literature guy. Maybe you know. <laughs> I, I think it's a word, man. Like I, it's, people make them up all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, uh, we used to have uh, Texas governor, uh, Rick Perry, that, you know, said, hey, you can always find me on Twitter. So, you know, people, <laughs> it is, I just looked it up unequivocally, unequiv- unequivocally, man. Wow. I need to work on my vocabulary. I'm a, you know, I'm supposedly, I'm a journalist. I, you know, <laughs> there's still new things I'm learning every day. All right. So, yeah. So talk about, uh, you know, in terms of like someone being a guest on a podcast, uh, and I don't mean to get too meta, but well, I mean, this isn't a podcast, but if it were a podcast, <laughs> You know, again, time, uh, you know, being, being put in that subject matter expert light uh, and then uh, being able to have your audience see you in that light for such a length of time, that is a powerful impression. But you want to talk about meta, man. You want to buy a course on how to buy, make a course for coaches on how to coach coaches. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it is really valuable. And I think that's what people don't think about. And it doesn't even always matter who's interviewing you. Just the fact that you're interviewed and you're the yes. expert in that area. And because there's, there's, I was approached by a company last year that they wanted to charge me 7000 I think I actually talked to you about this. They wanted to charge me $7,000 to conduct a mock in-studio interview. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yep. I've, been on TV where they've actually asked me to come there and that didn't cost me anything. But there right. are an area of people that will pay for that because when you're being interviewed in high quality audio, high quality video, whatever it may be, it makes you look like more of an opinion leader because just the fact that you're being interviewed makes you look good. Now, if it's even mm. in a more high quality place, like if it's on the right podcast or on the right publication, it looks even better. And I think that's what people have to understand is having that level of authority in what you do can change the game in your business. Because if the other people that are in your niche aren't doing interviews, aren't being interviewed, you have a huge leg up. And the better part about it is if they even know how, if you even know how to use that stuff better than they do, if they are doing it in terms of like how you're repurposing it, then, you know, you're really going to win. And what do you say to guests that say, I want to be on fill in the blank, like the, whatever the top, like I want to be on Gary V's podcast. <laughs> and they're like, and, and gosh darn it, I'm important enough that I think I should be on that podcast. And like, that's all they really care about. Like, how do you coach them on that? So the first thing we say is, yes, we can definitely pitch that for you. We can't guarantee it because he's like right. very particular in certain things. And if it's not a match, yeah. it's not a match. It doesn't say anything negative about you. But then the other part is people have to understand niching down is so valuable because let's say that you are seen by an opinion leader in your niche. That's going to make you more money. Whereas going on Gary Vee with a bunch of people that don't really care about you and may not be in your niche, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't make you money. So I think sometimes yeah. it's a little bit of a 
vanity thing. So you have to figure out how to talk to them in the right way to understand. Sure, visibility is great, but is this for visibility or vanity? And once you mm. can break that down in the right way and get them to understand like, hey, niching is so much more valuable, um, I think people can really win that way. But what do you think of the value, uh, let's say from a, from a visibility, which, which would you rather have? Um, an appearance on a show that has 10,000 listeners. Uh, if, if I'm baby brand new, like I've never been interviewed on podcasts before, would you rather them go on one show with 10,000 listeners or 10 shows with 1,000 listeners each? I'd say 10 shows with 1,000 listeners each because especially if you're brand new, like you have to get better at actually being interviewed. Um, you have mm. to establish a little bit of your own credibility because here's the thing. If you reach out to that big show without ever being on those 10 smaller shows, you're not going to get it. You have yeah. to have a portfolio of press and you also have, to have the experience to be able to do it. Because I think so many times people don't understand. They're like, oh, well, look what I've done in my business. I should just be on the show. And it's like, it's like, sure, I understand what you're saying. But in the media, people don't really know who you are. So you have to take the time to build a portfolio, whether it's um, something I like to tell people my favorite thing to do is called the small pond strategy. Find the small group that cares about you in your local community or your local area or whatever and promote to that group. And that's a great place to get started. But you have yeah. to build a portfolio and also become more media friendly before you can reach out to a lot of bigger stuff. And honestly, the stuff that's more, the, the stuff that's smaller will probably make you more money because it's probably more engaged. I think so many times people just want to go big and it, it doesn't always make you money. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's, you know, one thing we talk about is like, you, there's media you do for authority, then there's media you do for visibility and, um, and, and they both have their purpose and it kind of depends on, you know, where are you in business? What do you need? Where do you make your money? You know, what are your goals? That sort of thing. Uh, do, do you find yourself just kind of, uh, I guess, guiding uh, when, let's say an, a, a client has certain expectations of where they want to go and you're like, did you find yourself teaching much about um, kind of audience selection or kind of show selection? So, it, so that kind of depends, right? Like most of the time, yes, I do. But you do get some people too that also aren't willing to be taught, if you know what I mean. Mm. So you have, to have somebody first and foremost that's willing to be taught about that. But once they, they get that, they understand it and they truly grasp it those are the ones that are really successful because they, they truly get how media works. So I, yeah. I think sometimes you do get people that just, they aren't willing to be taught and it does happen. And, and it's going to be harder for everybody involved because you have to just understand how the media works and how, how you're able to leverage it and use it the right way. Yeah. What do you think about uh, just, again, this is apples and so apples and oranges here. Uh, but what do you think about in terms of visibility, uh, the ROI from paid advertising versus, uh, you know, kind of working on your PR, working on your visibility uh, by serving audiences on stages, as it were? So I, I kind of see that as twofold, right? Because you need to be doing both of them. Because when you're, you're not doing PR and not getting noticed, you're not going to have the, the, the right positioning where you're, all your other stuff you're doing is actually going to cost you more money because nobody knows who you are. Mm. So, there, so there's, there's parts of that where you're actually going to build relationships with people that find you in these different media, and those are going to become your evangelists, like people that talk about you to other people in a positive fashion. But they need to be going within tandem, right? Like you create the PR piece or you get the attention or whatever, and then you use that in all of your other marketing so that it converts better. Because I think too many no. times people are like, all right, I can get you blah. 
and they have no third-party credibility, no third-party validation, and they wonder why they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on Facebook ads and it hasn't made them any money. <sighs> so you yeah. have to be doing both parts of this, Josh, and you know, to, to really make it convert for you. I think too many times people are like, I, I'm just going to do PR. Cool. I'm just going to do marketing. You can't. You got to do both and figure out how they're going to work together. Yeah. I, I, I do see a lot of people, they, they aspire for the PR, but I don't see a lot of activity in that. Right. They just, I think there's a lot of hope and wish, hoping and wishing. <laughs> and there's not, I, you know, it's kind of, it's like when I talk about it, uh, and I just think there's a lack of skill set with it too. Uh, you know, when I, when I speak on this subject and I do this experiment and I say, okay, for the next 10 minutes, I want you guys to do PR stuff, go. And then I let them sweat for a while. <laughs> And they say, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to make you do that. But let me ask you, like, what were you going to do? Like, people don't have a clue. They, they, I, I don't know. I was going to start emailing influencers. I was going to start emailing journalists and, and start selling and pitching my stuff. And it's like, the rules of engagement are different. I, I, you know, is, how do you teach that concept? Well, I, I think the interesting thing about it, too, though, is, is so many people don't know the basics, right? Like, they don't know what a yes. meeting Ages. They don't know how to set their website up and have a lot of it written in third person so that it's not being written just from your voice. So it's, it, there, I, it's, I find so many times when, like I do a lot of talks for small business owners here in Jersey and I find so many times my intention is to get into talking about podcasts and talking about media, but I find that they don't know the early stuff. So it takes a long time to get to the other stuff I really want to talk about. Like they, they just, they don't know a lot of this positioning, a lot of things like that in order to how to do it the right way. So I actually yeah. find myself talking about like, what is a media page? Um, what is content curation? You know, what is, how, how do you find media? What's a press release? Like there's so many different things that I find myself doing because they want all this other stuff but they don't have the base or even the know-how on like how to use it. And I just find that those PR basics were a lot of how I got my early attention. And yeah. when you have those in place, man, like you can do so much with what you're doing, but if you just don't know, it's, right. it seems really hard, man. And, and, and even if you hire somebody and you don't know, you can get taken for a ride because you don't know. Yep. Yeah. How important is, you know, you talked about like having a press kit and that sort of thing. Uh, come on. Is that stuff really important? Can't you just hire someone to just pitch and sell you without, without all that stuff? No, I, I don't believe so. No, like you, you need that stuff. Like you need that stuff because it shows that you took the time, you care, you understand. The, the interesting thing about this in the PR world is I feel like a lot of people like feel it. And, and this is weird, but if you know the rules of engagement, it's fine. A lot of people feel like there's a certain way that PR is supposed to be played as a game. So if you know mm. the rules, and you play it in the right fashion, you're actually going to have more success as well. But you do need those certain things because it shows you're credible. It, a, a nice photo in your media kit says so much that you took the care yeah. and the time and whatever to do that. It's, so to me, it's, you're, you're making your life a hundred times harder if you're saying, I want to go get media and you're not going to worry about a media kit or, or a press kit or a speaker or a speaker one pager or having great media on your site. Yeah. Like you're just making your life so much easier, man. Like, and, and, yeah. and, and in terms of like trying to get the right PR, they're not going to want to feature you if it doesn't look like you've done anything before because experts have something to say and people are saying things about experts. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like if you're a speaker and you refuse to have a speaker kit on your website, I mean, that's fine. You don't have to have one, but you're just going to get a whole lot less speaking gigs. You're going to, you're not going to be able to charge as much money. It's, it's optional, but you know, you can decide how hard you want to make this. So I, you know, it's like that, that groundwork is, I agree with you is, is, is so critical. 
Jeremy, what is something that marketers do that really annoy you? So maybe something you see on social media and it's like, ugh. Um, I don't know if it's marketers as much as it's people that once again don't understand the media game. They're like, oh, I want to buy my way into Forbes or I want to buy my way mm -hmm. into Inc. Or like, how much do I have to pay to get that? Well, there's groundwork and there's finding the right people and the right story and the right way to put it. So I, I think that, and it, I, I guess, okay, to bring it back around, there's people that actually try to sell the service like that. So I think mm -hmm. if I had to look, I had to look at it like that, that's what marketers yeah. are doing me is they're, they're trying to like sell PR placements, which that's Ugh. just not the way it's done. And if those publications knew about it, they wouldn't run the article. If they found out somebody was making money there, that wasn't the publication. Yeah. Yeah, that you know the pay to play. I do, one thing I don't like, and I got myself in trouble the first year I spoke in social media marketing world because I really bashed the PR industry on this. Oh, you want to talk to uh, Susie, journalist over there, huh? Well, I tell you what, why don't you give me four thousand dollars and I'll uh, make an introduction. It's like, <laughs> and then that's all that went into that, and uh, you know that I just think is such a dying breed because quote unquote Susie, journalist is on Twitter, and and it's not like you can't talk to her. Uh, you know, it's like you can. One of the things I always see you talking about, which is so true, is people just are not using Twitter correctly because you can get so much out of it in terms of PR. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So we're talking about Twitter and LinkedIn. And honestly, like I, I, the opportunity there, if you, if you just learn a little bit of best practices there, there's so much opportunity there. I'll be honest, like Jeremy, I have, I'm horrible at Facebook ads. I've never had success with it. And I'm not saying it doesn't work for it. Obviously it works for other people, but man, in the B2B world, I mean, I just can't come close to anything uh, in terms of the success that we get, not with paid advertising, but just using the platform of Twitter and LinkedIn. Yeah, no, it's, it's a hundred percent, man. Like, like there, there is so much opportunity there if you know what to do with it. But, mo but it's interesting because most people won't take the time to learn it. And they're just like, oh, this platform doesn't work. Well, you need to learn the rules of engagement before you go out there and try and do things. Yeah. So I have spent now, I'm just doing the calculations here, $44,258 for uh, my, I guess like 800 and some dollars a minute for this secure military line. Uh, Jeremy, I think I've hit my budget, but worth every penny, my friend, I've got... <laughs> I've got a, a, a book's worth of notes here, uh, and uh, now the task is to, in Napoleon Hill fashion, uh, put this out in a uh, think and grow uh, influence uh, uh, project. So, uh, thank you so much, man. I, I really thank you for the time, uh, and really, really great conversation, really great information. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me today, man. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Josh in the head with the microphone a couple times. He thought it was a fly, thank goodness. I'm just having a hard time holding off this little wire with my hands covered in baby oil. Why did I think this was a good idea? I really need a bath. So if you like that, then please subscribe to this podcast. If you want more ways to spy on Josh, then visit upmyinfluence.com. I'm Morse Code, over and out.